0: Welcome to Shades of Brown, the podcast that discusses the ever-evolving and sometimes contradicting thoughts of a Black woman. I'm your host, Allie B, and y'all, I'm so excited for y'all to listen to this episode. It is, I have had some of the most amazing guests, but this is one of those episodes that is going to be like gem after gym after gym, like sis was dropping bars okay so like i cannot wait for y'all to hear this it's going to be so good i have a special guest clearly (laughs) a special guest with me this week to talk about Uh, faith and feelings, the intersection between spiritual maturity and emotional maturity, and it's just such a good conversation. My special guest is Kobe Campbell. She's an award-winning licensed trauma therapist and Christian counselor who loves to walk with people through their dark seasons as they discover how God shows up for them in their mental health. She's the owner of the private practice, the Healing Circle Counseling and Wellness in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she hosts the Healing Circle podcast with her husband, Kyle, where they talk about mental health, faith, and relationships. She's been featured on Blavity, XO Nicole, Good Morning Charlotte, and more. She was named one of Charlotte's most influential women by Charlotte lately in 2020 and was awarded the woman to watch under 30 by a women magazine. The woman is amazing, okay, period, point and blank. And y'all are about to see why in just a few minutes. Before we get into the episode, let's get into the Brown Beat. So I didn't mean for the Brown Beat to be so highly focused on like TV and film, but stuff be good and I be wanting to talk about it. So here we go. Over the weekend... Judas and the Black Messiah came out. Hopefully, I got the name right. Y'all know I can jack up some names. Yeah, that's right. Judas and the Black Messiah came out. The story, the movie that documented the story of Fred Hampton, who was a civil rights activist and Black Panther. I had known a little bit about Fred Hampton, so I knew his fate ultimately, but I didn't know the inner workings of it. Like, oh my gosh. I don't want to spoil the movie, even though it's a, you know, a film about a real person. These are, these were real events, you know, and it's public knowledge. But if you don't want any movie spoilers, go ahead and skip ahead to the Let's Unpack It segment. But y'all, this movie, it was good. I typically don't watch movies like this because they trigger me in a way that um, they bring about feelings of hatred, rage, disgust um, for white people. Um, but I watched it anyways now and I'm glad I did cause it was so good. Of course, we know America's trash and, you know, America's racist and the government has killed, you know, all kinds of black men. But this one hit different because of how the FBI infiltrated the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers by using a black man. That thing right there, man, it really do be your own people. And it's like, <sighs> My friend, Malaysia, who has been a guest of the show, he made a good point. He was talking about how, you know, we 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 all we often say specifically in our generation, where are the black men, you know, stepping up and where is our Malcolm and where is our Martin and where is our blah, 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 you know, but it's like, why would black men keep stepping up when history tells us? Every single time there is a black man with political power and influence, he is murdered and not just assassinated, but it's government involvement. And it just breaks my heart because it's just like, you can't get mad at brothers who don't want to take that role, you know, that rightful place as leader because it's like, it's too dangerous. And I get it. You know, like Fred Hampton was one of those people who was like, you know, like I'm gonna die for this, but everybody ain't trying to die, you know? Fred Hampton was 21 years old when he died when he was murdered by the government like straight up it was so bad y'all it was so bad with Martin Luther King it was more of a conspiracy and they had a civilian do their dirty work but for for Fred Hampton it was like they just went straight up in there badges and all and like murdered the man 99 shots were fired in that raid 99 shots for why for why it's just discouraging because that's always the goal. When you attack the black man, you attack the black family. And that's the whole goal, right? Is to destroy the black family. Because everybody know when it's a healthy black family, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. So what do they do? They either kill the black man or they incarcerate the black man. And they've done this to Malcolm X. They've done this to Martin Luther King. They've done this to, uh, what's the other guy's name? Um, Is it? howard huey lord i forget the names but h rap brown and the list goes on and on and on and on and on you know either they are incarcerated for life or they are dead and it's like it's it's hard to it's hard to continually criticize a black man for what he's unwilling to do present day because history tells us the fate You know, that's why I appreciate, you know, people like um, Sean King because he is about it, about it. Okay, he has. Yes, he has all kinds of um, criticism and controversy because any time you're doing stuff like this, it's going to be controversy and criticism. But I appreciate people like him who continue to do the work in the midst of death threats. He gets daily. In the midst of the criticism he gets from all sides daily, right? And he's just one person. There are people who are who are out here on the front lines. There are Black men who are on the front lines. But it's hard to criticize those who choose not to be on the front lines because history tells us, It ain't going to be pretty for them. And that's another black family that's broken. Thankfully, um, Fred Hampton's fiance at the time, she ended up having the baby. And, you know, their son, Fred Hampton Jr., is now, I think, like maybe 50, 51 years old today. And he's doing, you know, uh, the same kind of work and is continuing his dad's legacy, uh, which is beautiful and remarkable and commendable. But yeah, it's just like, there are so many takeaways and I'm not good. This, this episode isn't to dissect the entire movie. There is so much to take away, you know, even about the black man's involvement in, in the conversation we can go with that, right? Like, it'd be your own people. And was he possibly a victim of the system and all these kinds of things. Right. But I don't want to get into that. I just couldn't help, but be moved in regards to how this country hates black men so much. Ugh, it's disgusting. It is truly disgusting. But also, that movie stirred me up now because Fred Hampton was about it, about it. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm a revolutionary. <laughs> All right, y'all. I'm getting wrecked up. So let me, um, let's transition and get into the episode. <laughs> let's unpack it. Welcome to Shades of Brown, Kobe. So happy Hi. to have you here. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you guys. Yeah, I have been so excited about this conversation. Oh my goodness. This is it's so relevant right now. Um, considering the, the the state of our world, um, and especially for uh for Christians and how we how we deal with, with the feels, how we deal yeah. with the feels.
1: Yeah, um, all the
0: feelings. I came across you while um you had a conversation with a gospel artist KJ Scriven about mental health in the church. And Mm. um, this was after he posted a video about how we deal with our emotions. And he was referring to, to uh, spiritual maturity and, um, and how it's not spiritually mature for us to ignore our feelings. And he was referencing mm-hmm. Lazarus and how you know when Mary and Martha came to Jesus crying, saying, "My brother is dead." How Jesus wept. You know, um, Jesus cried even though he knew he was going to resurrect uh, Lazarus. Even though, oh yeah. well, Jesus had all resurrection power in his hands. He still wept over the fact that his friends Mary and Martha lost their brother. Like that's sad. Yeah. So I came across that and I and I watched the uh, the conversation you guys had, and it was so. Powerful. I was literally in tears watching oh, it because it was you. so relevant to my personal life. I, um, yeah. I am in uh, such a transition, and because of transition, I feel like my emotional stability is just like there is <laughs> no stability right sure. now. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. I completely understand, and um, and I find myself kind of like on this roller coaster where I'm trying to remain stable, knowing full well that. Um, the place that I'm in, I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, knowing full well that I'm being obedient, I'm following Holy Spirit, um, in this season of my life, but it's hard and um, mm-hmm. so much change happening and I'm down and I'm crying and I'm like, you know, whatever. And I always tell myself, but girl, but you know, that it's going to pay off Or I, I convince myself not to feel these ways because it's like, girl, you know, you're doing the right thing, but it's yeah. like, but I still feel this so, so, so I'm always like condemning myself for having feelings and condemning myself yep. for having emotions. So I don't want to get all over the place, but I want to first ask you, like, what exactly what exactly is like emotional maturity? What 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 is that? Mm, that's just such a good question. I
1: think so many people would define that differently. I would say that emotional maturity is the ability to discern our emotions, right? To identify them, to feel them fully, and then apply the wisdom we get from them to our everyday lives. Right. So it's not just like oh, I'm gonna to pretend to be really stoic or I'm gonna to pretend to be unaffected or I'm gonna you know, do the spiritual bypassing and use scripture as a band-aid to slap over my really big and uncomfortable feelings. Emotionally mature people are people who are willing to dive into the deep water of feeling things that they don't understand, mm. feeling things that feel difficult, feeling things that make them feel childlike, that make them feel vulnerable, feeling things that humble them before other people. And I think one of the big things the church has missed, and honestly, one of the reasons why it's so hard to heal um, as a member of the church, especially the Black church, just to be honest, is when people are engaging in true spiritual and emotional maturity, we treat them like they are immature, right? Oh if I decide not to give in to culture, and give in to the fact that God has given me feelings and feelings are a part of God's holy design. When I lean into that reality and when I move to cry, I cry and I don't hold it in. I'm treated like I can't be trusted. Oh, She's so emotional. You're always crying about something. Don't you know how good God is? You're lucky to be up this morning and in your right mind, you better stand up and give the Lord a praise. It, there's always something to tell you to bypass this moment, speed past it. And I think there's so many people longing for wisdom, but the treasure of wisdom is in the depth of our hard emotions. And you're going to miss the wisdom that God wants to use to propel you into your purpose if you keep bypassing these big, hard, confusing emotions.
0: What do you think that is? Because these same because I have I, I have experienced that so many times, you know, where mm. maybe you're having a vulnerable moment and you know the people, you know, do the band-aid thing, slapping the band-aid, you know. Well, yeah. think of all the things that God has done for you and it could be worse. <laughs> and it yeah. leaves this, 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 and this. And it's really gaslighting. I mean, let's just it call is. A, let's call a thing we'll It thing. Thing is Okay, call it spit, it's babe. <laughs> um, but what where do you think that comes from? Because these people too are struggling. I'm sure these two people are also having moments is it that we just don't know what to say and we just we just want to say something what is that I think there's a pride in in the church and in the world there's a pride tied to
1: utility right Mm -hmm. I must be helpful to you I must be able to solve your problem and when someone brings to us a big emotion that we have not addressed in ourselves we cannot help them so we tell them to just bypass it
0: because that's what's most comfortable for us and our desire to be useful to other people Mm, that's so good I just recently um I had a friend of a a friend of a friend pass is actually a Mm. friend of many friends so I have many friends currently grieving and I texted a few of them and I just don't know what to say you know and I told them I'm like I don't know what to say and I was literally having to stop myself from going to the you know like that uh utility places. Like, I just want to be helpful. And it's like, listen, yeah. I I don't have it. You know, mm-hmm. I just want you to know that I'm here. Yeah. I just want you to know yep. that I'm here. But that is so true. We just want to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and however, comma, however, <laughs> um, oftentimes we end up being counterproductive and doing yeah. the exact opposite. And it's like, that's yeah. not helpful. That's not helpful.
1: I think the counterproductive part of us doing that spiritual bypassing is shame right? The product of that of that spiritual bypassing is shame. Spiritual bypassing is the seed. The fruit is shame. And shame is anything that tells us that there's a part of ourselves that we must keep to ourselves, mm. right? Like mm, keep that to yourself. That sadness, just praise the Lord. Keep that to yourself, <laughs> you know? Mm. That anger, praise the Lord. Go feel that away from us, right? That's what shame is. There's a part of me that I have to keep to myself that no one else can see, that no one else can engage with engage in and with with me without the risk of me being rejected oh man right and this compounds over years over years. year and then those people develop a sense of resentment like i never got to feel so you don't get to feel praise the lord lift your hands tell tell god that he's good and they don't know even when they have the tools to walk you through this sense of of feeling deep, deeply and connecting to the holy spirit through emotion they don't, a lot of people don't want to do it because it brings
0: up a sense of resentment that no one did that for them. That is such a common thing that we experience. And it's like, Mm -hmm. why do we want people to like accompany us in our own misery? It's the crazy thing. Like, it really is. Oh my goodness. I just, I don't know. I just, so, so many things about the human behavior, especially black church folks. It's just like, make it make sense. Yeah, make it make sense. please. <laughs> I do strive to be one that remains authentic. It's hard though. It's so hard. It is hard. Um, Because I do feel so immature. I do. I'm like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't mm. still be here. I've come so far. So why do I still feel this? And I've yeah. moved beyond that. Why do I feel that? How do we How do we move from a place of um, self-condemnation to compassion and remain um, in a place of authenticity, even though those around us uh, may not be in that place? Yeah, that's a really good question. I know
1: for me, I prepare my heart for the reality externally, and I prepare my heart for the reality internally, right? Externally, the reality is people may not understand this. I may be perceived as if I don't know the Lord. I may be perceived as someone who is weak willed. I may be perceived as someone immature, but I also prepare myself for the internal reality. When I authentically address my emotions, I make space for God to encounter me in a divine
0: way that no person can. Ooh, right? My and God, I- <laughs> can we just stop right there? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Because I think what's been happening, and I, I can I can let me see, I'll speak for me. Okay. <laughs> you know, i <I'll>, am <laughs> speaking for myself. It's like for it's it's been like even, even, even <laughs> even recently, I started, I started the Daniel Fast. Uh something I tried to do, emphasis on try to do bless every bless January you. Every January. And um I I failed, okay? I failed <laughs> because I was just so in my feelings about so many things and my heart just wasn't posture in a way that I was allowing God to, you know, do his thing. Yeah, so I stopped. I'm just like, Lord, my I'm, I feel I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling disappointment. I'm feeling discouragement. I'm feeling uh, I'm distracted. I'm feeling all kinds of stuff. So how about like I just come out of this later instead mm. of depending on Him to enter that space and mm. be with me in that space and like carry me through the discouragement and carry me through the distraction and carry me through. You are preaching right now, like. It was like, it was like, let me just shut down and just do something else because I don't want to, I don't want him to be in the space with me. But that's the thing though, when we are honest with ourselves and when we are like true with our feelings and emotions, we invite God to transform us in that space. Yep. Yep, we do things in the midst of what we feel, not in the
1: absence of what we feel. When we do things in the absence of big and hard feelings, we are moving into a space of performing. And so many of us have been taught in church to perform. You perform. You are showing up to prove something, yeah. right? And so when you perform, it's because you think you have something to give. So many of us, when we feel completely depleted and we feel like we have nothing to give to God, we don't go to Him.
0: We mm. only show up
1: when we feel like we have we got a king for the gift, right? How many times have we heard in church like, "You don't come before a king without a gift"? And it's like, can my brokenness not be a gift?
0: Oh my girl,
1: I'm about to cry, cry now,
0: Who <laughs> <laughs> can my brokenness not be the gift, girl? <laughs> man, man, yes we stay in performance mode, not realizing. And and I think for many of us that could speak to something deeper, a deeper issue of needing to prove our worth to God, needing to, needing to get validation from heavenly father. Like, Hey, look at me. I'm worthy to be your child. Look at me. I'm fasting. Look at me. I'm praying. Look at me. I'm serving. Look at me. And though we speak about faith, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, you know, it's not Mm -hmm. a workspace works based faith we speak about that but a lot of times we operate (laughs) that way oh yeah there's always two
1: conversations being had like okay we're gonna base this off a scripture and say by faith alone and your goodness is but dirty rags but also what are you doing how Mm -hmm. are you serving Mm -hmm. how many bible studies are you leading Mm -hmm. how many people are following you how many how you know and like we we try to act like we're really living in that like scriptural space, but many times we're not. And what's funny is when you start moving out of that space, many people will perceive you as if you are less Christian. Like when you begin to walk in a space of assuredness in your daughtership and your sonship, um, as Abba's child, as God's child, it won't look like earning and working all the time.
0: And that is tricky. That has been very challenging for me because I grew Mm. up Pentecostal Pentecostal, uh, what is it? Hand clapping, foot stomping, tongue talking. <laughs> Pentecostal church of God and Christ. Okay, Ooh, I, told I you. Gr- yeah, I grew up in a very legalistic environment, and when I began to seek God in a very personal, intimate way in my mid twenties, um, I began to see what you're what you're describing. It's like, wait, yeah. Though I feel though I feel closer to God than I ever have before. It looks so vastly different yep. than what I'm used to. And I now feel like I'm not, am I even Christian? You know what I'm saying? It's like, it was this, yeah. weird, it was this really, really weird thing happening. Cause I'm like, wait. Mm-hmm. I should be more like them now because I'm mm-hmm. and it it, it. it just didn't happen like that yeah um, so that is so 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 true yeah bringing up the bringing up the Lazarus story again because it mm-hmm. it really blows my mind when you really break it down you know we, we know that you know Lazarus died and Jesus um raised him from the dead we know that and we talk about it and we know it's a short scripture in the bible Jesus welp yada yada but when you mm-hmm. really break it down that's like wild like why would Jesus be crying? when he knew Lazarus was only dead before a moment, like, Mm. but why do you think it was important for Jesus to display that to us? Yeah, Uh, I think that it was so important for Jesus to display that for us to
1: read now, thousands of years later, because I think in that moment, God was showing us that we need our full range of emotions to live life fully. Mm. You don't get to just live life with only happiness. You know, we get to see Jesus happy, angry, sad, betrayed, right? Even, we even get to see a sense of envy, right? When he says the Son of Man doesn't get a place to lay his head down. Y'all do, though. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. We get to see Jesus live the full spectrum with the full spectrum of emotions. And guess what? He's without sin. Whew. So what does that mean for all the people who tell us that we're sinning in our sadness when we cry or we're sinning in our anger if we feel it for too long, right? We're, we're sinning if we feel these big emotions or if we express these big emotions. And yet Jesus experiences and expresses the full range of emotions, the human experience
0: and was similar. I have not once ever considered that. Like that he felt so deeply every emotion yet remained sinless because you're so right you know when I'm really really angry I I feel so far from God i be like this uh-uh. <laughs> like God is not pleased God is not pleased <laughs> you know and it's like but it's just the emotion you know like yeah. we I one thing that um that was mentioned in the conversation you had with KJ Scriven is like no our emotions can't be the lord over our lives but yeah. we must we must give space to feel yeah. them. Yeah. Wow. He experienced the full range of emotion that was yet seamless. That is powerful. Even yeah. the MVPs. That is powerful. Cause you know that they'll tell us real quick. Like that is the uh, like when it comes to emotions. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate. Like uh uh-uh. uh.
1: You leave. I mean, that you way. don't feel that. Yeah.
0: Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it it's like you talking about not letting our emotions be the lord of our lives. Like. But- I always say our emotions are the check engine light of our soul. Mm. Like we don't we don't bow to them. We don't we don't put them in a place where they lead us to what we, what to do, but we let them lead us to what they are signaling to. Mm. If your check engine light is on, that means you need to pop the hood because something under the hood is wrong in need hurting, right? There, there's some type of dysfunction, there's some type of brokenness, and if you ignore it for a long time, it literally lowers the capacity of your car. Yeah, like It lowers the car's ability to last for a longer time. It affects a, a car's ability to drive. I think it does the same thing to us, right? Mm. There are literally of studies that show that there are people who, when we don't express emotions, you are more likely to get sick. There are certain mm. toxins in our bodies that can only come through sad tears. They will not come what? out of your body in any other way. There are certain toxins in your body that will only come out through sad tears that is crazy happy tears and sad tears have different sodium content they literally what? have different saltiness when you are sad there are certain toxins that have to come out
0: Yo. and yet
1: we have this pride of like oh she never cries he never cries and it's like yeah you got me real sick too
0: that is crazy it yeah. gives, that gives new language for what we know to be true about when we keep things bottled up, you're ticking time bomb, yep. we, you know, that, that kind of thing is like, no, there's science to prove that you yep. are keeping poison inside. Yep. Wow. Yep. Wow. People yep. of God, please feel your feelings. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite people period in life is, uh, Melissa Fredericks, Kevin State's wife. And mm-hmm. I listen to all of their content, like everything they put out, I'm like listening. And recently she was talking about how she kind of just re- in her emotional state, she kind of just remains in a plateau. You know, things are really, really good. Um, she doesn't allow herself to feel it. If things are really, really, really bad, she's just kind of just like in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, and she was saying how it kind of robs her of really, really good moments because she's afraid if she gives her gives into the good moments, then she's susceptible to feeling the feelings of the really, really bad moments. Mm-hmm. You you just spoke to a little bit, but can you lean into that about why, why we need to give into whatever that feeling is? Um, And maybe there's a fear behind that. Like if we give into, if we, you know, allow ourselves the vulnerability to experience extreme joy, then we may be afraid of what that means that that's taken away from us. Can you like speak to that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. I think that there is this really widespread myth that we can control how we are affected by other people. Mm. And that is one of the many ways that we give into that myth is I won't let myself feel this from this person, because if I experience sadness, I don't want to have to experience that from another person, Mm -hmm. right? And the reality is when we shut down one emotion, we shut down all emotions. Mm. So if you inhibit your ability to be hurt by someone, you also inhibit your ability to receive love from somebody. Wow. You don't get to have one without the other. We can't control how we are affected by other people. We can control how we can respond to that, how we're affected, yeah. but we don't control how. If, if someone says something that makes you sad, you can tell yourself not to be sad as many times as you want, but guess what? That sadness is already there. Yeah. And even you telling yourself not to be sad is a response to the sadness already being present.
0: Oh my God. We can only respond. That, um, you're speaking to like the need for control. And that makes me think about trauma. Cause a lot of times our need for control mm. is rooted in some type of trauma. Absolutely. Absolutely. We know that our, our, our emotional state, especially when it comes to our extreme, extreme emotions can be attached to trauma. What exactly is trauma? So trauma is a mm. moment or series
1: of moments that affect our mental, emotional, spiritual, social, relational, or financial well being. Right. Mm. So it can be one moment or it can be several little moments or several big moments, right? So I like to give, there are three types of trauma. So there's acute, there's chronic and there's complex, right? Mm. Um, And this is kind of like a general overview. Yeah. So acute trauma is one big moment. That's a car crash, maybe a sexual assault, one big moment. And I think that's kind of where our brain goes to when we hear the word trauma. Yes. Then there's chronic trauma. And this is what I take a lot of pleasure in serving people in. Chronic trauma is things that happen over and over and over and over again on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, right? Constantly being dismissed when you try to tell your parents how you feel. Constantly being told that your opinion doesn't matter. Constantly being told by a partner that you're just not good enough, right? Those small moments that if you just present it once With an undiscerning eye, you would say it's not a big deal. But when it happens enough times, when it happens enough times consistently, it can literally affect us to the same extent that these big traumas do, right? So I like to give the analogy, like you either have a massive boulder, that's the big trauma, or you have a bunch of pebbles that make up the mass of a massive boulder. Yeah. Either way,
0: you got a big rock in front of you. Either way, it's a big rock, fam. I'm not going to go on a rabbit hole here, but this is, I'm, I'm happy you said that because I um I am currently healing, um, have been healing from a mother wound and I currently mm-hmm. help others heal from mother wounds. Yeah, This helps give language to that because that one is more so like a chronic trauma. It's not one big event. It's a lot of little events that continually happen over and over and over week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year, decade-to-decade, and it's very hard, it's very hard to pinpoint, Um, Mm -hmm. but over time, it becomes the same huge, massive rock that you have to overcome. Yep, absolutely, and oftentimes, what makes it so
1: hard to to put your finger on is it's not the exact same situation happening over and over again, it's the exact same principle being communicated over and over again in different situations.
0: Yes, man. So we typically think of trauma in the sense of uh, negative events. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we experience trauma from positive events? Absolutely. Absolutely,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So I like to say that being triggered and being triggered is is being, um, having a moment or experience that is tied back to your trauma. I always say that being triggered is not being reminded of your trauma, it's re-experiencing it. And trauma is not about what happened to you. It's about what you experience, right? So what happened to you might be you worked so hard all night to clean the house for your mom and she came home and she said, good job. On the outside, it's like, she said, good job. Why are you upset? On the inside, it's now I'm expected to provide this crippling amount of work every single day to get affirmation from my parents. And that is traumatizing, Mm. right? Mm. I think that oftentimes we think that trauma has someone who has perpetuated something willingly on purpose. And that's not always the case. Yeah. Because the mother or the father may have just truly been appreciative that you clean the house and clean the Mm. kitchen, right? That doesn't change the fact that you were traumatized because that may you may have done that when you were seven or eight. And now you've built up an internal pattern of overperforming for people because you think it's the only way that they'll they'll um, affirm you or approve of you.
0: <sighs> wow. I ask that because, like I was saying, you know, <laughs> using me as an example with the transition that I've been in, it's one that is God ordained. It's one that, you know, Holy Spirit has been leading me into, yet it has quite literally felt traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> and oh absolutely i'm like but this is good though like this is good why am i feeling this way yeah
1: yeah absolutely and that lots of mothers feel that way mm. i pray mm. for a child god you gave me a baby thank you so much this baby's so adorable i just want to love them so much but at the same time this feels extremely traumatic god mm. that's such a good example a huge loss.
0: yeah wow oh my goodness. Um. I heard you say this before um, that sudden change even can be traumatic. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and we don't think of things like that because again, sudden change can be good or bad sudden change, you know, whatever, honestly it could be neutral, but the fact that it's, it's sudden, it shifts things and shakes things and that can be traumatic. And I, I I say that because I just want to paint this picture guys of like, when we talk about, um, emotional maturity how it doesn't just have to be you getting shot <laughs> for you to experience trauma like yeah you know yeah. and and then that's when you allow yourself to feel bad it's like no like mm-hmm. all of these things you know the, the pandemic that is what we've been experiencing this is sudden change you know like yeah. we, don't, we don't have a normal anymore mm-hmm. we're reinventing and recreating what a normal looks like at this point on a day-to-day basis yeah. um so, there's so much happening. And I honestly, I currently feel like we are all traumatized at this point. <laughs> honestly, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, back to church stuff. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts on the ch- our church culture, specifically Black church culture, and our mental health? And how can we shift from a place of being dismissive and start embracing holistic health?
1: Yeah, that's, again, a fantastic question. So before I make this critique, I want to first say there are a bunch of amazing, beautiful, redeeming price reflecting qualities about the Black Church. Yes. And so I, I don't want to miss that, you know, as as you critique it. And so I say it as someone who's a member of the church, not yes. as someone outside looking in. Right. It's almost like you, I could I could talk a little something about my brother, but you can't say
0: nothing. Yes, yes, yes. I like I like I say over here at Chaser Brown, we don't do no black church bashing. Absolutely. And I'm a member of the Black Church. So I so I love, I love, love, love the Black Church.
1: Yes. I also think that the Black Church, like many other churches as well. Um, I think that there is a sense of fear that is valid historically, right? The profession has not been one that has been historically welcoming to black people. So I get that and I honor the ways that some people are skeptical um, and I don't wanna push anyone beyond what their limits are. So I honor that as well. But I do think that there is a resistance. Hear my heart in this analogy. Yeah. I'm not saying that therapists are Jesus, but hear my heart. There is a resistance in the black church akin to the resistance that the pharisees had when jesus showed up with a new system Mm -hmm. right because Mm -hmm. jesus shows up and then people start getting healed outside of the
0: synagogue Mm -hmm. people
1: start start getting healed outside of the temple
0: yeah
1: right and instead of saying how are you doing this come teach us the pharisees are like how do we stop this Mm -hmm. how do we make sure that that they literally see people get healed and they don't even Care about oh. people getting healed, they care about their position being threatened. Mm-hmm. I think that. <laughs> oh, not the mother home. <laughs> I think that is a lot of what's happening in the mental health space. Yeah. yeah. People are experiencing real healing in the therapy room and not in the church house. And instead of the Black church saying, How are you doing this? Come join forces with us. We want to share resources with you they're over here like how do we stop them because these people are younger than us and I'll be darned if someone younger than me has authority over me right we forget that Jesus was when he died at the end of his ministry he was 33 yeah he started when he was 30 yeah but he was in the temple reading and learning when he was 12 and saying wise things yeah right Jesus was younger than a lot of the people a lot of these Pharisees he was younger than them Yeah. You think about the fact that he had wisdom beyond them, but he was younger than them. And these people were not willing to give up their position for the sake of true healing for other people. They were not willing to learn from people, someone younger than him, and they were not willing to give up their position for someone younger than him. And a lot of us black people in the mental health field are younger than a lot of the elders in the church. And they do not want to give space to someone that is the age of their child, even if it means people can't heal.
0: Girl, <laughs> I just oh I just have so much to say. Okay, let me let me, whew, let me woo saw.
1: How is <laughs> doesn't
0: because you are tapping on something right here, and this is where my biggest critique comes in regarding the black church is if first Christ was the center of the church, and then the needs of the people. We could so easily get rid of pride and ego. Yeah. If my position is here, I was called by God to serve, you know, to bring glory to God by serving the local body. Yep. You know, and the health and and to maintain uh, the health of the body, then I shouldn't be so like mad if somebody else or another organization is able to help the body.
1: Yeah.
0: I think this goes into. How we have placed uh, spiritual leaders on pedestals, and mm-hmm. have um, positioned them to be the answer for everything. You know,
1: oh my gosh, they're they our
0: they are our financial advisors, they are our mm-hmm. spiritual counselors and our mental health counselors, they are our marriage counselors, they are our, mm-hmm. I mean everything. And it's like, who made them? Everything like no, no. Yeah. It just speaks to. How I see, and honestly, kind of breaks my heart. I'm a I'm a PK, so it it kind of breaks my heart where 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 I see a lot of preachers, specifically black male ministers their entire identity is wrapped up in their position in their titles and their callings and it's like if you knew who you were outside of this you wouldn't be so threatened that the local church is is changing that millennials or yeah. new that you know our generation or the generations coming behind us that we're embracing something else you wouldn't be so threatened if you actually knew who you were and knew yeah. that that methods change you know that like yeah. uh that culture's change and our and yeah. our Our needs don't per se change, but how we address them changes, you know? That's a perfect way of putting it.
1: And you think about it, it it is that in itself is a sign of trauma. right? Because we we can't deny that hierarchy in the Black church came from the fact that for a long time, Black people couldn't have positions anywhere but the church. Mm. For many people out there, they were in service jobs, serving people. But when they got into the church house, other people were serving them. Then they had an armor bearer. Then they had somebody do, then they had someone wiping the sweat off their forehead. You talking, man, you talking. A lot of people, yeah, they love Jesus, but also you can love Jesus and sometimes use him for your own personal agenda. And a lot of these people had never experienced what superiority felt like in a world that constantly told them they're inferior. So they come into the church traumatized by the world and say, instead of letting go of the church, the world standards, I'm going to take the world standards and apply it to the
0: church so that I can be on top. And now that we are pushing back against that, it is, it's a whole problem.
1: Yeah, it is.
0: It is. Whew, that was a lot. y'all. I'm, like, I'm just gonna give y'all a second to just breathe <laughs> in. Breathe breathe. Uh-huh. <laughs> when it comes to mental health, grief, trauma, specifically in the church, How can we best support or do a better job of supporting those around us, our family and friends and, and those who go to church with, how can we support them when they're like in the thick of it, when they're going through without saying, you know, what, can I just pray for you or pray about a girl? Like how, what, what are some practical ways and maybe some, you know, theory and concept things too. How can we, you know, be better friends and better support? I think that we, we forget how powerful presence
1: is. Mm just being there right speaking back to that utility thing we're like okay what, 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 what you know like I need to do something and yeah. if I'm not doing something for you I'm not around you mm. sometimes just just being there just yeah. sitting there just sitting there and holding their hand just sitting there and laying your head on their shoulder just sitting there yeah connecting to them letting them feel all the things they have to feel but letting them know they're not alone because there's a person sitting right here beside me that is an image of the holy spirit's comfort that he's right there connecting to us mm-hmm. not asking anything of us not asking us to define something or explain something just sitting there and being there with us that presence is i mean you can't put you can't put a value to that yeah you can't right but if there is a way that you feel led to to help someone and serve them in some capacity mm-hmm. But sometimes we, we think the best thing to do is anticipate other people's needs, but often <laughs> the best thing you can do is just say, "What do you
0: need today?" That is so powerful. Like, I, I'm an advocate for just asking questions. Just it's so simple, yeah. but it's so powerful. Just ask the question.
1: Mhm. Mhm. What do you need today? What are you feeling today? Do you want to talk about, you know, losing your mom, or, or do you want to just go on a walk with me? Yeah. Give a main time how many people are like, I just want to go on walk. Or how many people say, I want to talk about it. Yeah. What's going through your mind right now?
0: Or even giving them permission to figure out what they're feeling. Yeah. Yep. Because yep. it's like sometimes you're like, you know what? I don't even know what I need, but now that you asked me, let me think about it. Yeah. I haven't, I hadn't, you know, given myself permission to do that, but thank you for asking, you know? Absolutely. This is so powerful. This is so powerful. Mm. Um, I want to get on the, this, this childlike faith thing back to the, the, the maturity versus the maturity thing. And we feel so immature when we, when we have these feelings, when we, when we experience these emotions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: can you speak to why it's important for us to get back to our childlike nature when it comes to emotions?
1: Yes. I think our childlike self is our most uninhibited self.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like it is the part of self that is most willing to believe. Yeah most willing to to jump most willing to trust right and I think sometimes we treat maturity we should we tell people in you know verbally or non-verbally the more pessimism you have the more mature you are <laughs> right the more fear you have the more mature you are mm-hmm. the more you know skepticism you have the more mature you are yeah I don't think that's biblical I think there's wisdom in childlikeness that's what jesus says unless you receive my kingdom like a child you ain't receiving it There's so so many of us are trying so hard to be mature and missing the promises of god at the expense of the appearance of maturity
0: Mm, missing the promises of god at the expense of maturity (laughs) or the appearance of maturity
1: yeah, like it's like we're playing dress up, and it's like, well, if you just took off those those big girl clothes, I give you what you need, I give you what you want. But you're too busy trying to be someone else, and I don't know who you are with all that stuff on. Mm.
0: Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It it just makes me think like, where did we get all this all this stuff? Where did we get this? Just the the, the bondage of religion. It's it makes me think of it's just like, oh, where did it? Yeah. Just why? Like, can we just strip it? And yeah. I just. My prayer for the body of Christ is that we embrace the change that is coming, because I truly do believe that God is trying to usher in, in a revival. And we and we talk about that, you know, we say that, but I'm talking about I think that God is really wanting the, the church to look completely different and to look like what he intended. And my prayer yeah. is that we would embrace what that change is, you know. Yeah, You know, maybe it was like having conversations conversation like this in, in the church, you know, on Sunday morning, yeah. you know, oh, instead of God. praise and worship, we're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Whatever that yeah. is. I just, I really, really pray that we position our hearts to receive what God is trying to do in the church now, because bro, the way we've done it, that ain't it. And, mm-hmm. and like, and like you said earlier, there are so many beautiful things about the church. You know, mm-hmm. it has served us in, in so many ways, specifically the black church, you know, it's yeah. been. It's been our church. It's been our schools, you know, the first HBCU was started in the basement of a black church. Like mm-hmm. it's been so much for us. It's been the, the, the shelter, the, 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 the food pantry. It's been so many things. Yeah, but I do believe that God is wanting to do something new and beautiful so that we can become these, these creatures that truly reflect his glory. I do believe that. How would you encourage um, believers to, embrace their mental health to take better care of their mental health and how to live in a space of to live in a space of spiritual maturity and emotional maturity yeah
1: I think go to therapy and like you don't have to jump right into therapy because I think that can be intimidating it can be costly but I think you know take the time to learn little tidbits about mental health and you know take it in bits and pieces you digest it and i mean that's how i that's why i created my how to do workshops because i was like some people are just not ready to go to therapy but some people really do want to learn and understand why therapy is even necessary yeah right and so like the workshops are about helping people understand their trauma and how it manifests in their life and give them small actionable steps that they can apply in their everyday life at an affordable price where they don't have to you know, go pay a hundred and something dollars for therapy and then feel like what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. what did I just say to this stranger, right? Yeah. You, you, it takes the risk out of it, right? You don't have to sit here and talk to somebody you don't know. You can sit on the screen and watch it, you know, and, and learn that way. You can pause it when you want, you can play it with, you want to share it with who you want to. Yeah. Um, so I would say invest in psychoeducation, invest in learning why this matters. Like why, why does this matter? And how does this affect my relationship with God?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kobe, for coming to Brown and like just preaching us under the pew. Like this was a <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> Good Lord, man. I am just like, oh, I'm, I'm so full. I'm just so Like the old folks, say, I'm just so thank full. You. I love chatting with you. So thank you so much for inviting me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yes. Uh let's shift into brownie points. This is where mm-hmm. I want um I want us all, my listeners, and as to give ourselves kudos for something that we are proud of, something we may- maybe have done recently. Um it can be big or small, whatever it is. Uh just give yourself kudos. So, Kobe what are you giving yourself brownie points for today? I am giving myself
1: brownie points for practicing the guitar, getting just a little bit better writing a little something something i like to write in my free time so it was cool to to sit and play and like write a song and be like i did it like i didn't want to
0: do this and i did it that is so cool like what (laughs) (laughs) are you you teaching yourself yes kind of (laughs) i've been taking like lessons here
1: and there and then youtube university
0: youtube wow and you just and you wrote you wrote a song? Like I do you have history with writing? Like is this new? I used to write poetry and I oh. used to perform slam poetry back in the
1: day. Okay. Um, I now I don't just don't look it up. Okay. <laughs> now I feel bad for exposing myself. Um so I was like, oh, well, I like music and I'm playing guitar. What if I like put these lyrics to songs to, you know, the guitar and make a song? So it was fun to just play around
0: we'll make three to, to make a little song that is super cool like i just i'm so impressed <laughs> thank you thank you very much i am um giving myself brownie points for um making progress in my recovery from being a perfectionist um mm, i was i was up late last night my my day got thrown off i'm a schedule driven person and my schedule mm-hmm. kind of got shifted yesterday which made me start editing the podcast around like 10 last night um mm-hmm. and it was gonna take i, I knew i would have been up to like three in the morning getting the episode done i said you know what yes the episode needs to be released tomorrow because i release on tuesdays but mm-hmm. i will just finish in the morning typically i want to you know i release it at midnight yeah. like you know what no i'm going to bed i'm gonna go to sleep yes get that and rest. you know i i never promised anybody what time it'll be out it's gonna be out on tuesday yeah. but it just won't be out first thing in the morning it may be noon <laughs> First thing in the new <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm very proud of you. No one's told oh, you. I'm man. very proud of you. Yeah, I'm like, who's who? Because it's like I've asked myself the question, like, who's making me do whatever I'm doing? Like, yep. who's who said it has to be? Okay, okay. Yep. So yeah, minor, but awesome. I felt very proud of myself. Like I'm, I'm gonna go I to bed. Like that's major. <laughs> major i got the get around rest is major now, now granny i think i, I needed a bits about one o'clock in the morning but it wasn't three it wasn't three
1: yeah <laughs> i'm glad you got some
0: rest i really am all right well thank you again please share your um instagram handles facebook your uh podcast information whatever you have please share it with the people
1: yes yeah, so um, my husband and i host the healing circle podcast it's on um, apple spotify all the places you listen to podcasts um our instagram is at healing circle podcast uh, my private practices uh instagram is at healing circle therapy and our website is www.kaceehealingcircle.com
0: and you can get merch and listen to our podcasts and learn a little bit more about us there you are helping us. You are helping the people be better. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So everyone, thank please you. make sure you go uh, follow her, listen, listen to the podcast and get your life. You know, she might snatch your edges, but you're going to be all right. You can be all right. <laughs> They'll <go back>. uh, <laughs> so black folks, y'all know what it is. Please remember this. You are enough and your creation is so divine. And I love me some you. So until the next time, be healthy, be whole, be you